Hallelujah. Let's pray. Risen Jesus, come amongst us by your Spirit and speak through your word. Speak, for we want to hear your voice. And may we be those who not just hear, but put into practice what you say to us. For the glory of your name. Amen. Please sit down. Have you ever offered to carry someone's suitcase for them? Or maybe you've seen someone struggling with their bags, but you just felt a bit too awkward, too reserved, too British maybe, to get involved. Well, we were once at Edinburgh Station, Sunday afternoon in holiday time, and the station was heaving. I spotted a woman on her own with a young child, a buggy, several bags, including a large suitcase. And she seemed to be heading with considerable difficulty towards the same platform as we were. Well, without thinking, I offered to carry the case for her. And when the crowds became so great uh, that we were separated, I shouted that I would give her the case on the train. Only, I hadn't bargained for the train being so packed you could hardly move. And as I staggered along each corridor, crammed with people, it seemed a hopeless task trying to find this lady. All the way to Newcastle, I nursed her case, until finally I could get out and find her again, where she was extremely grateful Did I do the right thing? I will never know. It certainly was a very stressful train journey for me and probably for her. But it brings me to our text, and that's Galatians uh, chapters 5 and 6, and you'll find it on page 1172, and it would be really helpful if you could follow it in the Bible. And it brings me to two apparently contradictory instructions. You probably noticed them. Paul says in verse 2, carry each other's burdens. And then verse 6, for each one should carry his own load. What exactly does Paul want the Galatians and us to do? Well, let's begin with the context of these verses. First of all, remember, there are things in our Bibles which are not in the Bible. Got that? The headings in italics, doing good to all, not there. The chapter divisions, five, six, not there. The white space between the chapters implying a new train of thought, not there. So the verses we are looking at today actually follow on from last week's verse 25. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Now Paul here spells out what keeping in step with the Spirit actually looks like. So, for example, in verse 1, when Paul commands, you who are spiritual, 
he is not speaking of some spiritual or even super-spiritual elite. He means those who are led by the Spirit of God in their actions. And when he talks about how they should restore a sinful believer, he says, gently. Literally, in a spirit of gentleness, which we saw last week is fruit produced by the Spirit of God in us. You see, Paul wants to ground his teaching on the fruit of the Spirit, which might have seemed a bit abstract, and say, what does it look like? What does it look like in the individual believer, in you, in me? And what does it look like in us as a church community? Now, the first thing to say is that these two are tied up together. Public care for one another must be matched by integrity in my personal, private walk before God, and vice versa. So, we see this right through the verses. Verse 26, Paul addresses his readers, or listeners originally, in the plural. Let's not provoke and envy each other. And then verse 1, calling them brothers, he says, when you find a fellow believer sinning, you should restore him gently. So here he's highlighting our responsibility towards each other. We're members of the same family through faith. We belong together. Then, verse 1, he moves on, but then watch yourself individual, or you may also be tempted. You see, that bit is my personal responsibility. Moving on, verse 2, carry each other's burdens. Mutual responsibility. Whereas verse 6, each one should test his own or her own actions. Each one should carry his own load, my individual responsibility. You see, you have to do both. That's the deal. Well, we've got that straight, so we can move back to the first of the two commands about what we're to carry. So it's verse 2. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Now, the word carry means bear or pick up. In other words, we have to get involved. And burden could also be rendered weight. It's something heavy, too heavy to carry on our own. The implication behind the command is that all of us have burdens, worries, temptations, doubts, sorrows, which we are not supposed to carry alone or even try to. I am supposed to put myself out to help you carry your burdens. And you are supposed to help me carry mine. And 
I am supposed to let you. Bearing the burdens of others is a God quality. As it says in Psalm 55, cast your cares, your burdens on the Lord, and he will sustain you. So fulfilling this command here is about becoming more God-like in our character. Now, one of the ways God actually bears these burdens of ours is through human friendship. And it happens at lots of different levels. It might be a very deep sharing between close friends. Those who are willing to weep with us when we weep. Or it might be a quick text just to say we're praying. Or someone making us a cup of coffee or tea after the service. All of these and so much more tell us that we're not alone carrying those burdens. Now, some people's burdens are so heavy that it takes a whole church to help them through. Carrying something heavy would also have been the work of a servant. And so we see how this carrying each other's burdens is a practical outworking of chapter 5, verse 13, where the command is to serve one another in love. Carrying each other's burdens, however we actually do it, is what the fruit of love that fruit of the Spirit looks like in practice. And that's why Paul says, in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Because Christ told his disciples, this is my command, love one another. And again, chapter 5, verse 14, the entire law is summed up in a single command, love your neighbor as yourself. So if carrying each other's burdens is such a loving thing, such a God thing, what might stop us from actually doing it? Well, I want to look at three factors. And to help you spot them in your own life, they all begin with C. Well, the first one is conceit. Pride. Verse 3 implies that human pride could be a factor. If anyone thinks he is something. In other words, we think we're above that messy, burden-bearing stuff. We're too spiritual. It's beneath us. That, Paul says, is self-deception. Each one of us is, in fact... Nothing. We are all sinners, all in rebellion against God without the grace of Jesus Christ. And if we remember that, we will keep a right humility towards other sinners and be more willing to serve them, whoever they are. Secondly, condemnation. Condemnation. 
Another time we might not want to get involved is when another believer lets the side down, as it were. Verse 1. Brothers, if someone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently. It's always hard for a church community if someone flagrantly sins. Or, more likely, secretly sins and is then found out. We can be quick to condemn. We feel betrayed. We feel bewildered. We just don't know what to do. So we inwardly criticize and outwardly do nothing. None of these is the right approach, according to Paul. The Spirit of God wants us to restore that person. Now, the word restore is used of the disciples when they were mending their nets, or of a builder repairing a broken wall, a physician repairing a broken joint. The idea is to bring the person back to their former state of wholeness. Now, Paul doesn't explain exactly what we are supposed to do, but he does say how we are to do it, gently, in a spirit of gentleness. Because this is how the spirit of Jesus would do it. Do you remember the time when Jesus was in the temple courts and the teachers of the law and the Pharisees, they drag in this woman who's been caught in the act of adultery? Now, first of all, they expose her publicly by making her stand in front of the whole group. How must she have felt? And then they invite Jesus to comment on the law's requirement to stone such women. But look at how Jesus... I I just wonder about the man, actually. You know, there there was a man involved. Anyway, um, (laughs) but look at how Jesus reacts. He deliberately chooses not to stare at her by writing on the ground. And he challenges those without sin to throw the first stone. Clearly, not one of them can. And when Jesus, the sinless one, is left alone with her, he assures her, I do not condemn you. I do not condemn you. And when he calls her to leave her life of sin, Jesus is in fact inviting her back to wholeness. Such gentleness. Such love. What a contrast to the moral high ground adopted by the law teachers. You see, living out the fruit of the Spirit, being gentle, bearing each other's burdens, that's about being like Jesus. Simple as that. Being like Jesus. Being conceited, Verse 26, being self-righteous, standing aloof from or condemning a sinner is just as sinful 
as what they have been caught doing. Sin is sin is sin, whatever form it takes, and all of us are vulnerable. But watch yourself, says Paul, or you also may be tempted. Where sin is concerned, there always, but for the grace of God, go I, or you. So conceit, condemnation, thirdly, commitments. Commitments. Now, some of us may think that because we have commitments, responsibilities in other spheres of life, perhaps very heavy ones, that somehow means we can't commit to serving in church. Others can do that, or maybe we can even pay someone to do it for us. We just want to be there for Sunday worship. No deal, says Paul. The command to carry each other's burdens is for every one of the Galatians, and it's for every one of us. Moreover, in a big church like this, it's easy to assume that whatever the burden may be, someone else is carrying it. Well, maybe they are, but possibly to the point of exhaustion. So ask God what you can do. Ask the church wardens and be open next time the green sheet asks for volunteers. So I hope you are all clear now what Paul means when he says carry each other's burdens. So we can move on to verse 5. For each one should carry his own load. Now the word carry is the same as before. Same sense of involvement. But a load was the common term for a pack a soldier would walk with, something light enough for him to carry all day by himself. Now, the message paraphrase of this has, each of you must take responsibility for doing the creative best with your own life. The creative best. I like that. And the verb should carry is actually in the future tense in the original Greek. Each one will carry his own load. And I think there's a sense in which this speaks of how at the end of time, we will have to give an individual account of ourselves before God. And he will judge us. No use comparing yourself to someone else. I did more good than most people. Or even, I was nowhere near as bad as so-and-so. No. You and I will stand alone. Hence, all the more reason now for verse 4. Each one should test his own actions then he can take pride in himself. Or more literally, then 
he will have something to boast about. Now, there is no sense that we're to become big-headed here. It's about having a right self-assessment before God. Am I growing in holiness, becoming less concerned with things from my perspective and more like Jesus? That's my responsibility. Am I still quick to condemn the faults of others? Or am I learning to watch myself more, lest I too be tempted? Am I making the most of the gifts and opportunities God has apportioned me? Am I becoming more alert to the voice of the Spirit of God prompting me from within? Give yourself a kind of spiritual health check. And I would suggest Lent is a good time to do it. And in this respect, it can be really helpful to read a Christian book, which will give you a fresh perspective, encourage you, challenge you. It's something I do every Lent. And I would commend it to you. And there's a great choice at the back of the service. So on that note, as I draw this sermon to a close, I'm just going to ask you to close your eyes, and then I'm going to lead us in a prayer. Carry each other's burdens. Is that a word for you. Carry your own load. Does that speak to you? Let's each just ask the Holy Spirit, come Holy Spirit, and show us what you want us to do with these words how you want me to respond. Holy Spirit, you work in us both to will and to work your good pleasure. That which you have spoken to us, would you now give us your strength to put into practice and fill us with your love, your peace, and your joy as we do it. For Jesus' sake, amen.